It's time for Tuesday Terrors, hosted by Jeff Billard on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Hello, Candy Matson. I understand you've been hired to find out who knocked off Donna Dunham. Abrupt and right to the point. That's my business, old man who talks like a ghost. Take care of your health, little lady. Donna Dunham is dead. Let her stay like that. You take care of your cues and I'll show my peas, understood? Not quite. Listen to this. <laughs> oh, goody, goody. <laughs> Bullets now delivered by phone. Thanks for the slug. I'll have it identified later. Maybe you'll be identified later. Remember what I said, Candy Matson. Forget about Donna Donna. Hello and welcome to Reimagined Radio. I'm John Barber. Thank you so much for listening. Reimagined Radio explores radio storytelling from a variety of perspectives. This episode pays tribute to the popular female detective series Candy Matson. Crime and detective radio series were popular from the 1940s to the 1950s, perhaps due to rising concerns for emerging criminal activities at all levels. A number of detective radio series responded to this interest. Candy Matson was a compelling alternative to the popular male detective radio genre and was the best of the female detective programs. Candy Matson was an intelligent, no-nonsense detective. She was driven, relentless, and disarming. Rather than a seedy office, she ran her business from a Telegraph Hill penthouse in San Francisco, California. She worked with Rembrandt Watson, an eccentric photographer, and sparred with Lieutenant Ray Mallard, a San Francisco police detective, and her love interest. San Francisco actors, musicians, and colorful locales often played supporting roles. 91 episodes of Candy Matson were broadcast from 1949 to 1951 when the series was canceled. For this reimagined radio Candy Matson tribute, we'll listen to the first and last episodes. The first episode is known as the Donna Dunham case and was first broadcast 30 June 1949. In this episode, Candy investigates a jealous lover murder and nearly falls victim herself. Let's listen to Candy Matson in the Donna Dunham case. I'd had a hard day at the office, sleeping all day, and I needed a bit of a tonic to pick me up. So the natural thing to do was to ground loop into the marigold room and see what could be done. As I sank down onto one of the padded stools, the dispenser approached. Uh, make it a martini, my good man. Very dry. Look, lady, nothing would give me more pleasure, but I can't serve you here unless you have an escort. What? Oh, I, I'm, I'm waiting for someone. That's what they all say. But he'll be here very soon. I know, I know. It never fails. Why, you low-minded cronk. For two cents, I I'd see not I go... I arrived just in time. Save your two cents, my dear. Huh? You heard what the lady said? A martini. Uh, make it two. Well, saved from a fate worse than death, Miss Matson. Who are you? 
Roberts is my name. Warren Roberts. Oh. I own a few steamships hither and yon about the world. Oh, yes, I know. I took a trip on one of your scows once. The food was a nightmare's nightmare. How do you think I came to be a millionaire? How did you know my name and what do you want? I have a business proposition to make to you, Miss Matson. You're sure it's business, Mr. Roberts? Strictly business, Miss Matson. Call me Candy. You tell me the details and I'll tell you what it'll cost you. Fair enough. But don't faint. You can always make it back on your food. Well, I can hardly tell you here. Uh, suppose we drop over to my place. But I want that martini. My man will make us a batch over there. Oh, the things I do to make a living. Okay, let's go. Hey, uh, how about these drinks? Now, here you are, my man, and save the martinis for some poor wayward soul who hasn't the wherewithal to make the purchase. <laughs> Good evening, Mr. Roberts. I, I didn't know you were expecting company uh, so soon after... Take Miss Matson's things, Montgomery, and bring us some martinis. Uh, they're all made, sir. Good. Let's go into the drawing room, shall we? Mm-hmm. Modest little mousetrap, isn't it? And I'll bet it's had a good path beaten to its door, too. <laughs> Quite a sense of humor you have, Candy. <laughs> well, it helps now and then. What's the topic of conversation? A young lady named... Donna Dunham. Aha, uh -huh, the female element. What is your connection? Much strictly that of a patron. Oh? Miss Dunham was a hat check girl over the Scarlet Dawn. I heard her sing one night. I decided right then and there that I was going to sponsor her career. Was? Yes. Donna Dunham was murdered early this morning. Well, as a sponsor, you didn't pick a protege with great lasting qualities, did you? No, I didn't. She was so young, so very lovely. Will you take the case, Miss Matson? What do I have to go on? Oh, very little. Well, my suspicions point to a musician who worked at the Scarlet Dawn. He seemed to resent very strongly my stepping into the picture. Were they going to get it? Off and on, until I started to back Donna's career. A very interesting triangle. What do the police have to say? The police, Miss Matson, have not yet been notified. What? I went over there this morning and I discovered the body lying on the floor. I, I became confused. I, I locked the door and called the Scarlet Dawn. I told the manager that Miss Dunham was quite ill and wouldn't be able to appear tonight. Extremely ill, I'd say. Well, this is fine. You realize you're in trouble, don't you? Yes, I do. And that if I take this case, I'm sticking my neck out, too? Exactly. My, uh... Fee is 500. That's a fair price. In advance. Well, I'll make out a check immediately. You know, you are very beautiful. Look, Roberts, let's get this straight. You're in the middle of a jackpot. Make that check out right now so I can join you. Then it's up to me to spring the both of us. In the meantime, get that glint out of your eye. The one that's wired for wolf calls. Understood? Very well. I'll get started right away. Where does the late Miss Dunham live? Just on the edge of Chinatown, 27B Gresham Alley. It's the only three-flat house on the block. I'll find it. And you, you just stick right here and don't poke your face out of the door. Now, the, uh, check, if you will. 
Now, listen, you, if you think you're going to get... Well, send me back to the last line in the chorus if it isn't old Hawkshaw himself. Yeah, that's right. Hiya, Candy. Mallard, how you ever got to be a police detective, I'll never know. I heard you trailing me for the last two blocks. Maybe I wanted you to hear me. What are you doing over in Chinatown, Candy? I like tomato chow yuck. Uh-huh. Something up? Not with you around, there isn't. Look, Candy, just a little word of caution. We're laying for you. Oh. The chief isn't very happy about you busting up that Newton case last month. Somebody had to. The score was still tied in the 27th inning. Stop gagging, Candy. What are you doing around here? You don't like tomato chow yuck that much. Well, maybe that oriental music sends me. By the way, where's the Scarlet Dawn, Mallard? Huh? Uh, well, right down there on the corner. Come on. I'll buy you a double Mickey. Uh, no, thanks. I just had one. And listen, Candy, take a tip. Don't interfere with the work of the police. Don't worry about me, Mallard. And you take a tip, too. Next time you trail somebody, get yourself a pair of tennis shoes. Yes, miss. You like a table? No, thanks. Uh, no. Something I can do? Hmm? Oh. Oh, yes, I'm... I'm a friend of Donna Dunham's. She wanted me to come over and tell you that she's feeling better. She'll be back at work tomorrow night. Well, that's good. Uh, business at the hot check stand, no good without her. Yeah. Yes, yes she's a great girl. By the way, I, I, I don't see her boyfriend tonight. Boyfriend? You know, the, the fellow who plays in the band. Oh, Donnie Andrini. No, he got night off. Oh, too bad. She wanted me to tell him, too. Yep, too bad. Oh, maybe you'll find him at the Lotus Hotel. He lived there. Oh, sure. The Lotus. Yes, I'll check there, and thank you very much. Rembrandt Watson speaking. Yes, I know. Now, look. Photographs taken at reasonable prices. I know, Rembrandt. Family I, groups I... and portraits especially also... Rembrandt, this is I, Candy Matson. Fine colored pictures are... What? Candy Matson? That's right. By all the furies of Zeus. Why did you have to call just now? I was wooing the muse that only Bacchus can create. Probing the infinitesimal heights a soul can reach from the tear of the grape. And you have to call and spoil it all. Look, Rembrandt, uncross your eyes and listen to me. I shall listen, my lily, but undoubtedly I won't like it. What skullduggery are you up to now? I'm knee-deep in something that smells as high as the Oakland mudflat. A towering comparison. What is it? I can't tell you now, but I want you to do me a favor. Get your finest camera and go over to 27B Gresham Alley. Get inside and take all the pictures you can at the place. Won't I be intruding? No. There's a very attractive young lady there. Oh, how delightful. She's dead. How dull. I dislike intensely one-sided conversations. All right. What do I do then? Go back to your place and get me some prints as fast as you can. I go, but not willingly. Only for you would I forsake the mood I have achieved through prodigious application. Bully for you, laddie. I'll see you at your place in about an hour. <laughs> Pardon me. 
Are are you the night clerk? I ain't sitting bull. Yes, we have no rooms. Uh, I'm not here for a room. Oh? Well, uh, maybe there's something I can do for you. Yes. Uh, could you tell me if Mr. Danny Andrini is in? No, he isn't. As a matter of fact, I haven't seen him all day. Uh, y- yes, I know. Th- there's a reason. We had to take him to the hospital this morning. What? Yes. He's... Uh, He's under observation for appendicitis. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So, I was wondering if you'd let me have his key. Huh? He wants me to bring him his portable radio. Well, does he have one? Why, sir, did you ever know a musician who didn't own a portable radio? (laughs) I know, come to think of it. Yeah, yeah, here's the key. It's uh, room 418. Thank you. You're very kind. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. start making like a private eye. Letters. Letters. Yes, over here. Promising. A whole pile of... Well, let's try this one. Dear Danny, I don't know how to start this, but your accusations last night need some sort of answering. I'm not in love with Warren Roberts and never will be. He's just proving to be a very kind and gracious friend. You must realize that I have placed my singing career above everything else, and I want to... Oh. Hello, you. Hello. I was wondering if I could be of any assistance. Oh, no, it it seems Mr. Andrini was out of his head. Oh. I, I mean, he doesn't seem to have a portable radio. Oh. I'll, uh... I'll just be on my way. Oh, now, what's the rush? You don't have to leave right away. Wouldn't you like a drink or something? No, not right now. I I am pressed for time. Oh. I tell you what, though. I'll be back later. How's that? Sure. Fine. When? Let's make it next Whitsuntide, huh? Goodbye. On my soul, I'd like to have the popcorn concession here tonight. Come in, come in. Rembrandt, you're a double-crosser. I, a double-crosser? Yes. My dear, you're mistaken. Oh? The only time I double-crossed was out in the country. I passed over a bridge, then I had to double-cross back. Oh, no. I found I'd left my knapsack with some rare vintage in it on the other side. What are you doing here? You haven't had time to get the pictures I wanted. That's just the point. To elucidate, I arrived at 27B Gresham Alley and found it to be a most loathsome location. That's beside the point. What happened? I couldn't get in. Oh, Rembrandt, I've done you a grave injustice. Of course you couldn't get in. Warren Roberts has the key. This minion Roberts. I'll tell you later. We've got to work fast. Mallard sniffed something in the wrong key and the police will be in on the deal before long. Mallard, the gumshoe? That's right. I've just got to get pictures of the layout so I can study them. In my own fumbling fashion, Candy, my love, I have given birth to an idea. Even from you, Rembrandt, I'll take it. I'm grabbing at straws. What's your idea? Let us hire ourselves to a locksmith. 
present ourselves as man and wife, and the peasant will make us a key. Voila! Entree to the Madurie's apartment. No, Rembrandt, that'll never work. Oh, wait a minute. Three flats to the house. I used to live in just that kind of a house out on Fulton Street when I was a kid. A nauseating thought. Rembrandt, those flats are identical. If we can get into the flat above, we can get what we want. I think I fathom your reasoning, Candy. In other words, the living room is just the same. That's right. The dining room, likewise. Check. And the same goes for the bedroom, the kitchen, and even the, uh... That's right, even in there. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go slumming in Gresham Alley. Got all your flashbulbs? As they say in the old country, have I lost my marbles? Open the door. Beauty before age, my dear. Thank you, Wendy. Mm, kind of dark in here. What a peculiar aroma. Definitely smacks of the far east. Yes. Something you folks wanted? Chalk up, Candy. It's your cue. Why, uh, yes. May we come up? What do you want? Well, we're with a magazine. The House Lovely. We want to take a few photographs of your place. At this hour? The working press is never shackled by the hands on a clock, sir. Sounds phony to me, but come on up. What do you want to take pictures of this beat-up joint for? Well, you, you see, it, it's comparison. The old and the new. We've already taken pictures of a flat similar to this, only it's been remodeled. This, well, this is perfect for the contrast. Mm. Uh, I guess it's all right. Go ahead. Uh, start with the hall, Rembrandt. Roger, my pretty. Let's see, this should be just about right. Mm-hmm. Now the, uh, the bedroom. That should be off the hall here. Oh, yes. Uh, shoot from the door, Rembrandt. Can you get the entire room? Mm, not quite, but most of it. That'll do. Just a moment. Ah, uh... You cats work fast. Uh, what was that? I said you work fast. Uh, yes. Now, in the bathroom, do you have a tub or a shower? Why, uh, why don't you see for yourself? No. On second thought, I, I think that's about all we need. But Candy, you said that we Come could... along, Rembrandt, and uh, thank you very much. Well, that's Rembrandt. okay, and don't slam the door. The lady downstairs is sound asleep. Rembrandt, I think I've got this thing licked. Are you referring to this case or my desire to return to the arms of Bacchus? That I could never lick. I'm talking about the case. But I need help, Rembrandt. I need the big, strong arm of the law. Oh, no. Candy, you traitor. I hate to admit it, but I need somebody like Mallard. Am I being paid? Hmm? Oh, no. It's the wicked genie. Yikes, it's the gumshoe. Yeah, in person. Mallard, how did you get here? I took your advice and bought some tennis shoes. <laughs> All right, Spill, what goes on? been following you around till I'm punchy. Start talking, Candy. Okay, so you heard me. I do need your help, Mallard. Badly. 
There was a young girl murdered yesterday at 27B Gresham Alley. Is that the place you just came from? That's right. Why don't we ever hear of these things? Oh, I get exclusive rights. Anyway, I think I have the whole deal figured out. You can have full credit, Mallard, but you've got to take my advice. It hurts, but go ahead. Now go back to 27C, Gresham Alley. That's the top flat. Mm -hmm. You'll find a character there named Danny Andrini. Uh. Take him. Then get out to 5711 Pacific Street as fast as you can. Uh, All right, I'll do it. But can't he so help me if this is a foul-up? On you, the new look with stripes is going to be very fashionable. She knows what she's doing, Mallard. When you get back to Gresham Alley, just tell Mr. Andrini that you're from House Lovely. He'll adore you. This is it, Rembrandt. I just hope my man Montgomery hasn't retired as yet. What are we doing out here on Pacific, Candy? This is out of our league. All of a sudden, I've become socially conscious. Ah, right on cue. I'm sorry, young lady. Mr. Roberts doesn't wish to be disturbed. Look, Montgomery, remember me? I was here earlier this evening. Oh, I'm uh, sorry, miss. I didn't recognize you at first. Uh, yes, do come in, won't you? And the light dawned. If you'll just wait in the drawing room, miss, I'll inform Mr. Roberts of your presence. Thank you very much, Montgomery. What's the pitch, Candy? I don't get it. You will in a minute. Shh. You hear the patter of little feet. Miss Matson, what's the idea? I thought you were going to check with me by phone. Mr. Roberts, this thing is bigger than either of us. I just couldn't wait. <coughs> uh, is there a martini in the house? I'll have Montgomery serve in just a moment. I don't think there'll be time, Mr. Roberts. Well, where is she? Upstairs. You really loved her, didn't you? Madly. That just about describes it. Madly. And while you were, uh, shall we say, sponsoring her career, you thought she was playing around with Danny Andrini as well. Yes, she was. You're wrong, Robert. I have a letter from Donna Dunham to Danny Andrini. In effect, she told him to blow, skedaddle, vamoose. What? That's right. So it seems we have a slight case of mistaken murder on our hands, doesn't it? Yes. On one hand. On the other, I have two in mind that will be deliberate. You asked for it, Miss Matson. Too bad you had to bring your friend along. I wouldn't if I were you, Robert. A writer has a pistol. I thought you said he served martinis. This isn't exactly a social moment. I know how you privatized work, your lone wolves. You confide in no one. So with a pull of the finger, I erase all evidence. Just like this. He's dead. Oh, I'm really grateful to you, but where on earth did you come from? Like I say, Candy, you just can't beat these tennis shoes. Well, that clears everything up except for one thing. Where do we go now for the martinis? My phone rings, and I'm into the darndest message you ever heard of. Sure, Roberts killed her. He was jealous. And I knew I was on the right track when Rembrandt said the apartment above Donna Dunham smelled like the Far East. 
It was tobacco odor. The same Turkish aroma I had smelled in Robert's home out on Pacific Street. Danny Andre? Well, he was waiting for Robert's to return. He was going to kill him. He knew that Roberts had rented the flat above Dunham for uh, sponsoring purposes. Donna was a nice kid. She was just caught in the middle, flat. This is Reimagined Radio with a tribute to Candy Matson the very popular female detective program. You just listened to the Donna Dunham case. I'm John Barber. We'll listen to the final episode of Candy Matson in just a moment. Court-appointed special advocates for children, known as CASA, are volunteers who advocate for the best interest of children who have come into the care of the state as a result of abuse, neglect, or abandonment. You can lend your voice and volunteer with CASA to change a child's story. CASA offers virtual info sessions and training. If interested, now is the time to get involved with CASA and make a lasting difference in the lives of children and families in the foster care system. Clark County CASA is a program of the YWCA of Clark County. More information available at casaclarkcounty.org. Big thank you to Craft Cannabis formerly known as New Vansterdam, for their ongoing support of KXRW Vancouver Radio. Craft Cannabis is Vancouver's premier cannabis market for those 21 years of age and over. Visit craftcannabis.com to view an order from their full online menu, and they offer in-store, curbside, and touchless pickup to better serve you. Craft Cannabis is located in the Heights Shopping Center on the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen Road. Open 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., 365 days a year. More information available at craftcannabis.com. Programming like this is brought to you through the generous support of our founding sponsors at ADCO, Commercial Printing and Graphics, Clark County's local print shop since 1993. ADCO features stationery, posters, flyers, tickets, business cards, stickers, catalogs, and much more. Print on anything and mail anywhere. Learn more at adco1.com. That's adco1.com. This is Reimagined Radio, paying tribute to Candy Matson as the best of female detective programs. You just listened to the first episode of the series, The Donna Dunham Case. Candy Matson was developed by husband and wife Monty and Natalie Masters. Monty wrote, produced, and directed each episode. Natalie voiced the leading role as Candy Matson. The writing and acting, along with its local focus, quickly made Candy Matson a favorite of listeners. Despite its popularity, Candy Matson was canceled after 91 episodes in May 1951. The final episode of Candy Matson features a double murder and a missing diamond. Both lead indirectly to Mallard proposing marriage to Candy. Let's listen to Candy's last case also known as the Cape Hatteras Diamond. I do declare, Candy, this is a madder dash than the one made by Paul Revere. What's the reason for this wild scramble, girl? Look at that car up ahead about a block. Yes, it's a police car. That's right. And do you know who's driving? Lieutenant Ray Mallard, that's whom? So Mallard's driving. There's no reason to get yourself such a snit. 
I imagine the lad's driven before. I'm not worried about the mechanical aspects of placing a car in motion and guiding it to a predetermined terminal. It's the reason behind it that bothers me. Well, said reason being what? I don't know what the reason is, and that's the rub. For days, Mallory's been avoiding me like the plague. I call him on the phone, all I get are muffled sentences. Nothing makes sense. Last night, I waited in front of the Hall of Justice and followed him when he left. And where did he lead you, dear? To a small hotel on Ellis Street. He met a man in the lobby who was wearing dark glasses. They huddled in a corner and talked for a while. Then Mallard left. I didn't duck back fast enough, and Mallard saw me. Oh, brother, what a bawling out I got. How strange. With that, he got in his car and drove away like frantic. That certainly doesn't sound like Mallard. I called to apologize this morning. He wouldn't even talk to me. And now this. He never drives a squad car unless it's absolutely necessary. Now you've got me curious. Something must be up. You're darn tootin' and I want in on it. Yes. Who does Mallard think he is keeping things from us like this? Oh, he's stopping. I'd better hold it up right here. He's getting out, Candy. So I see. Look, he, he's waving up at the middle flat. Do you see anyone in the window up there, Ducky? Yes, a man. I can't quite make out his features, though. Yes, yes, he's waving back. Well, what's Mallard doing now? Going up the stairs and in. How do you like that? Rather delicious, isn't it? Oh, I squirm with intrigue. Well, I squirm, too. Come on, Rembrandt, squirm out of the car. This is one time I don't mind doing a shadow job strictly for free. I knew there was something wrong three days before. Whenever I walk into Mallard's office in the Hall of Justice where he lieutenants for the San Francisco homicide, and all I get out of the big guy is an ugh, something's foul in Dixie. You can play that in any key you like. And the uggs kept up, mentally and verbally. Add that situation with Mallard's mysterious friend in the dark glasses and you've got something. Especially when Lieutenant Boy stops off at an old flat, waves to a gent, the gent waves back, and Mallard goes inside. <sighs> Now we're all tidy and up to date. We waited for about 20 minutes outside by my car. Two or three other people came and went. Finally, Mallard came out, carrying a very small box in his hands. He put it inside his coat pocket. The bulge wouldn't show any more than usual. That's where he keeps his police gun. Then he got in his car and drove off. Rembrandt and I immediately went to work. Object? A social call on our unknown friend in the second floor window. I must say, Candy, this is most mystifying. That it is, Ducky. In all the years I've known Mallard, I've never seen him act like this before. What are we up to now, Dal? We're going to take a look at the guy Mallard went to see. Find out what he looks like. What sort of a racket he's in. And supposing Mallard hears about it, won't you be even further into the doghouse? Indubitably, faithful old friend. But that's the chance I'll have to take. <sighs> Here we are. Little flat. This must be one of those babies built before the fire in the quake. Yes, all 1906 conveniences, including a door knocker. Well, I'll give it a blast, Ducky. As you say, this sort of place gives me a galloping case of depression. Yeah, I know what you mean. All the ghosts of the past half century. Try it again, remember. What is this? You could have heard that last knock out of the Farallones. Maybe he didn't hear you. Anyone in the neighborhood would have heard that knock. I'm going to try the door. Voila. Except that it only moves about two inches. Shove on it, dear. My thoughts exactly. It gives a little. Help me, Rembrandt. Very well. Yep. Hey, look. Under the door. That's blood. I wouldn't call it ketchup. Come on. Once again, and harder. 
Oh, my word. That's the polite term. This guy's as dead as they come. And look. What, dear? This is the Joe Mallard was talking to in the hotel lobby, even to the dark glasses. I wonder what Mallard will say about this. I was wondering the same thing. Come on, Rembrandt. I don't think I feel very well. That was an understatement. I felt worse than that. But I had to follow through now. Our next step took us down to the Hall of Justice for a little visit with Mallard. He was in. Just beat us back by about ten minutes. He was still wearing the same scowl he had on the last time I'd spoken to him. You still mad at me, Mallard? No, I'm mad at myself. Did you stub your toe somewhere along the line, Minion? Is that it? No, but I'm about to. What do you mean by that, Footflat? You'll find out. And it's all your fault, too. You mean about last night, my following you? No, that was a dirty trick, but I forgive you. It isn't that. Then what is it? Yes, for goodness sake, stop sounding like a thruppany thrill book. I'll say what I have to say in my own good time, and nobody can force me to do otherwise. I've got news for you, Junior. The police can make you talk. The police? What kind of triple talk is this? We followed you out to that flat just now. We saw everything. What? Of all the underhanded... So you know. Yes, but why did you do it, Mallard? Because I'm a fool. Just a plain fool, and I ought to have my head examined. Also, the poor fellow you left out there. He needs his head examined, too. He sure does. It's got a hole in it about the size a forty-five slug would make. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? Don't you know... I thought I did. Now I don't think so. Now, come on, quick. What's this hole-in-the-head routine? He's serious, Candy. I really think he is. Darn right I'm serious. Come on, spill. Okay, okay. I'll tell it to you like you don't know. We followed you out there. You wave up to the second story. Man looks out the window and waves back. Check. You go inside. We wait 20 minutes further away. You come out with a small object in your hands. You put said object in the inside coat pocket. Good report. Most efficient. You drive off. We go up to pay a visit. The host wasn't willing. He'd been shot to death. What? Oh, brother. And you thought I'd done it? Well? <laughs> well, really, Mallard, I don't see anything to laugh about. That's because you're not sitting where I am. Oh, Sister Susie, did you get your clues all fouled up? Let's get out of here. We got work to do. My mental reflexes climbed on a merry-go-round and whirled gaily for several moments. I was really confused. I didn't have time to do much about it because Mallard whisked us back to the flat. An hour later, the joint had been carefully gone over, photographed, and the body of the poor guy removed to the coroner's office for an autopsy report. It didn't take long to find out that I was right. It had been a forty-five that did the dirty work. Rembrandt had to leave, so I went back with Mallard to his office. Still think I had something to do with this thing, Cupcake? Oh, in, in my heart of hearts, no, but... Of course not, but jeepers, look at the facts, Mallard. You come out, we go up. The guy's stiff as a starch shirt. What would you think? The same thing you thought. The time element is what gets me. Not more than three minutes had elapsed between the time you left and the time we got up there. No, no. I can account for that, I think. But I'm not going to. As a matter of fact, there are several things I could account for, but I'm not going to. Now who's doing the triple talk? I am, deliberately. I'm going to tell you something, Candy. Listen carefully. You're a cute little old snoop. You've snooped your way into the middle of this thing, and I'm going to toss it right into your lap and let you snoop your way out. And when you come up with the right answers, you're going to get the shock of your life. I am he. I think so. At least it was quite a shock to me. You mean you've got the solution to this deal already? Part of it. You're a much smarter foot flat than I thought you were. I don't know who killed the guy, if that's what you mean. I take it back, then. 
And now you, you've really got me all topsy-turvy. <laughs> no, this is working out even better than I thought it would. Okay, Tootsie, you've got the ball. It's all yours. Take it from here. You mean you actually want me to help you on this deal? Sure. Who knows? You might come up with something. I'll beat it, will you? i got to find me a killer. I was so puzzled by then that I wanted to wrap the guy over his head. I fought off the impulse and left. If he gave me carte blanche on the killing, I was going to take advantage of it, if for no other reason than to prove I was right and Mallard wasn't the joker who did it. There's only one place to start, back at the flat where the guy had been done in. The cops had gone, so I did some question work. The landlady lived in the flat below. No, she didn't know the man. A gal named Jennifer Shirley had leased the middle flat for the past five years. I uh, swung a deal with the landlady, got the key to same, <laughs> not the landlady, the flat, and moved in. About midnight, my dreams of a vine-covered cottage in the country with Mallard were rudely shattered by a sound, the sound of a key in the lock of the door. <gasps> oh, sorry, I frightened Jennifer. Take it easy, everything will be okay. Who... Who are you? Oh, oh, I'm coming to that. Oh, excuse me. And you are Jennifer Shirley, aren't you? That's right. Excuse my night here. If I'd have known you was coming, I'd have gone formal. Just what is all this? And what are you doing in my flat? Where have you been, Jennifer? Seattle? Why? Didn't you read the papers up that away? I was too busy. You know a man named Everett Stone? Of course I do. He's a very good friend of mine. He was up from Los Angeles on business, and I let him use my flat. And now you're here. I don't understand this at all. Look over there at your front door. Everett Stone was shot to death right on that spot. <gasps> Everett? Dead? I can't believe it. I'm sorry. It's true. You can prove you were in Seattle, Jennifer. Yes. Here. My plane ticket receipt and the stubs on my luggage. I just got in at the airport less than an hour ago. Just for the record, where did you stay in Seattle? At the Olympic Hotel. We can prove that, too, can we? Of course. Now, wait just a moment. The shock of all this slowed me down for a second or two. Just who are you, and what are you doing here? Simmer down, Jennifer. My name's Matson, Candy Matson. I'm a private investigator. Oh, yes, I've heard of you. I'm trying to find out who knocked off your friend's stone. You got any ideas? Several. So have I. One being this, does everyone around here wear dark glasses? You've got a pair on, too. Same kind Everett Stone was wearing. Here, have a cigarette. Thanks. Got something you want to tell, Jennifer? Yes, I do. The dark glasses are standard equipment for the type of work we're in. And what would that be? We're gem dealers, precious stones. Whenever we have a valuable piece of property in our possession, we're required by bond to wear these dark glasses. A disguise, so to speak? That's right. Whenever it arrived from Los Angeles, he had with him the Cape Hatteras Diamond. You've heard of it? Who hasn't? Worth about a half a million. That's right. He was on his way to Seattle to show it to a prospective buyer. The first night here, Everett appeared on a television show to display the diamond. And as he left, he knew he was being followed. He called me and asked me if we could make a switch. Wanted to know if I'd take the diamond on up to Seattle and try to make the sale. And he'd stay here, is that right? Right. Well, it was a good switch, except that Everett got himself knocked off for his trouble. Have you got the diamond with you? Right here, in my purse. 
Look. What a little beauty. And not so little at that. No. Oh, most gorgeous thing I've ever seen. And you just carry it around in your purse like that? Certainly. Who'd think to look in a woman's purse? Yeah, you've got a point. Lipstick, mascara, streetcar tokens, loose change, but not a half a million dollar rock. Did Everett say what the man looked like, Jennifer, the one who was following? Yes. He wrote a complete description for me. Have you got it? Also in my purse. Here. Yikes. Miss Matson, you're white as a sheet. What's wrong? Plenty's wrong. This describes a certain Lieutenant Ray Mallard to a T. I slipped out of my nighties, slipped into my street clothes, slipped Jennifer a wet fish handshake, slipped out the door, slipped into my car, and slipped home to my penthouse on Telegraph Hill, and from there I kept right on slipping. That description was Mallard's beyond all doubt. What made it worse was the fact that Rembrandt and I had seen Mallard coming out of the flat with a small package that could have been a jewel box. I didn't sleep much that night, and that's for sure. In the morning, I put myself together as best I could and once again made the dismal journey down to the Hall of Justice and into Mallard's office. How you doing, Cupcake? Not too well. I have some rather unpleasant news. Such as like what? Mallard Everett Stone was a gem broker. Good for you. You've got clue number one. You knew that? Don't be ridiculous, Candy. That came out of McGuffey's reader. Number two. He had the Cape Hatteras diamond with him when he arrived from Los Angeles. Atta girl, you're getting warm. He switched the rock to a gal named Jennifer Shirley. She took the diamond on up to Seattle because Everett thought he was being tailed. Hey, you're getting better and better. What's next? You mean none of this is news to you? Uh-uh. Old hat so far. Well, maybe this won't be old hat. Everett wrote a description of the guy he thought was following him. He gave it to Jennifer. It's you right on the nose, Mallard boy. What? It's you. Including the little mole you have behind your right ear. You don't look so good, Miller, dear. Don't you think you ought to tell me what it's all about? Maybe I'd better. I can't for the life of me figure out... Wait a minute. Sure. Of course. <laughs> you had me worried there for a minute, Cupcake. Doggone, what is this, Mallard? I'm getting mad. <laughs> You'll find out. Oh, I'll find out. But when will I find out? Ooh, saved by the bell. Excuse me a minute, Detective Matson. Oh, sure. Lieutenant Mallard, homicide. Lieutenant, this is Sergeant O'Flaherty down on radio. We just got a report from Prowl Car 36. Yeah, O'Flaherty. There's been a dame killed out in that same flat, name of Jennifer Shirley. It was then I knew that Mallard was really in the clear. The phone dropped out of his hands and he looked as if he'd been slugged with a belaying pin. Mallard had work to do, so I left. Only this time I didn't go back to the flat. I have, um, tenderloin connections. So putting two and two together, I started making the rounds down around Turk Street. Turk, Ellis, Eddie, the whole section where the Easy Street boys hang out. I came up with nothing. Nothing until I stumbled into a little bar near Eddie Street on Leavenworth. I came face to face with an old acquaintance of mine. Name of uh, Montgomery the Mole. <laughs> 
Ralph, for crying in my beer and making it salty. Look what the high tide just washed in. Hiya, Candy. <laughs> Hiya, Montgomery. I ain't seen you since the night you caught up with me former pal, Willie Clark. Oh, I, I'm sorry I had to do that, Montgomery. Oh, I ain't. Hanging it be too good for that crump bum. A little second story work ain't too far out of line. I can even swallow a well-executed stick-up. But when it comes to kidnapping and murder, uh-uh. Asana's characters draw the line. That's why I'm here, Montgomery. Yeah? There have been two killings in the last four days. Mm -hmm. The grapevine must be slipping. I don't hear nothing about no rapouts. They've been kept quiet for a reason. Just what the reason is, I don't know. Have you heard about any of uh, out-of-town ice men dropping in the last few days? No, uh, uh, not a one. Now, look, uh... Here's a, a 20, Montgomery. Mm. That's all I've got. I'll send you 20 more first thing in the morning. Is your memory improving? Ooh, 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 just like I never lost it. Well, is there a jewel boy in town? Look right ahead of you up at the bar. Yeah? That's him. If he ain't a hot ice juggler, my name ain't Montgomery. Got in just about the four days ago. Calls herself Finch. Oh, Montgomery, I loves you. <laughs> I'm moving over there. Do me a favor. Tip the bartender off. Tell him to keep my drinks well watered. It didn't take long. A guy from out of town gets lonesome. I was sitting at the bar no more than three minutes, and we were old friends. He kept the drinks coming, and by closing time, he really had a snootful. He offered to drive me home, and oh, naturally, I accepted we got out on the sidewalk, and suddenly he darted back into the tavern. When he returned, he was carrying something in a paper bag. We found his car and climbed in. Don't you think you ought to let me drive, Mr. Finch? You oh, no, no, no. Quite a few. Uh, I can handle this little old car. Uh, uh, I'm sort of stranger here, you have to tell me which way they go. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, you go straight up Leavenworth here, and, and then you turn right on Bush. I'll direct you after that. Okie doke. Oh, you sing real pretty. Uh, when did you say you got into town, Mr. Finch? Oh, about four days ago. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, what sort of business are you in? Business? <laughs> I'm in no business. Retired, sort of. Oh. <laughs> Got lots of money. Get lots more, too. Ooh. Hey, look out for that bag. Oh. oh, oh, I'm sorry. How clumsy of me. Yeah, but why, it's a purse. Why, Mr. Finch? <laughs> Put it back. I, it's a present for my sister in Riverside. Oh, how thoughtful. Oh, it, turn left on Kearney Street, will you? Sure. Then when you get to Washington, turn right one block to Montgomery Street. It's right on the corner. Uh, would you care to come up for a nightcap, Mr. Finn? Hey, now, that sounds like a very good idea. Sure. <laughs> nightcap. <Yeah. laughs> the corner of Washington and Montgomery is just half a block from Mallard's office in the Hall of Justice. With any luck, I could do a bloodless turnover to Lieutenant Boy. I reached down by my side, got my thirty-two out of my purse, and held it under my coat. We arrived at our destination, and Finch helped me get out of the car. There was only one pale light to illuminate the street, which was just what I wanted. Ah, 
There you are. You go ahead a little way, Mr. Pritchett. There seems to be something wrong with one of my heels. Oh, sure. Oh. Don't turn around, Mr. Finch. Not if you value your life. This is a gun I've got stuck in your back, and believe me, I know how to use it. Say, what goes on here? I'm almost broke, if that's what you're This isn't a stick-up. See that door up the street in that big building? Just keep walking right on into that door. He started walking, and I hung back a few paces. I didn't want to lose this baby. He was too good. Because that purse he had in the paper bag was the one owned by Jennifer Shirley. I'd never be able to get forget that purse. It contained the Cape Hatteras diamond. I marched him into Mallard's office, and Mallard was in. I gave him the full scoop, and in less than half an hour, we had one sad finch behind locked bars with the promise of a full written confession of two killings and one diamond theft. I had never seen anything fall into place so easily. A few minutes after we returned to Mallard's office from putting Finch into his ungilded cage, there was a knock on Mallard's door. Come in. Is I Gumshoe? What on earth did you call me for at this hour of the night or morning? Yeah, come on in, Rembrandt. This ought to be fun. Tom, you too. Yeah. Why aren't you home getting your beauty rest? Oh, we just wound up a couple of killings, dear. Those of Everett Stones and Jennifer Shirley's. Well, bully for you. And I had nothing to do with it. Candy did it all. I left her strictly alone and she came through like a trooper. There's only one little thing she's overlooked. When she comes up with that, she'll have solved her best and last case. Last case? What are you talking about, Mallard? Captain Mallard. This is Riley on the top deck. Captain Mallard? What is this? Yeah, Riley. We got this uh, Finch joker all booked and fingerprinted. He's in the Lysol dip now, then we'll tuck him into Betty by for the night. Good. We're changing shifts now. Anything else you want from me? No, Riley. You can knock off. Fine, Captain. Oh, and all the boys up here send down congratulations. Oh, uh, thanks, Riley. See you tomorrow. You? You? A Captain Mallard? That's right. Well, by Jove, I think that's splendid. Congratulations, Minion. Thanks, Rembrandt. Oh, I'm getting dizzy again. He's a captain. And and what's this stuff about my best and last case? Give out here, Mellard boy. Doggone it, you're missing the most important clue in this whole case. Now, let's review it. Go ahead, girl. I'm bursting me buttons. Okay, I, I first get suspicious when you turn grumpy on me, Mallard. That's when I was wrestling with myself over, over a decision. That's right. Th- then you meet this stone guy in a small hotel on Ellis Street. Well, we had business. That's where he wanted to meet me. Then you go out to those flats. You wave, he waves, you go in. When you come out, you're carrying something. We go up, stone is dead. Later, I meet Jennifer Shirley. She shows me the Cape Hatteras diamond. But she also shows me something else. A description written by stone, a description fitting you exactly. <laughs> Here. Look what was in Jennifer's purse, along with the diamond. What? Another description. One that fits Finch. Everett Stone accidentally gave Jennifer the wrong slip of paper, the one that described me. Oh, for Pete's sake. That sure had me worried, Mellor, dear. Isn't there something else that worries you, Cupcake? Yes, there is, darn it, but I can't put my finger on... Wait a minute. That's it. The package. The one you carried down the stairs from that flat. At last, at last, you finally did it, Candy. Here it is, right here. Open it, see for yourself. Uh, okay. 
beautiful. What a lovely ring. Did you steal this from Everett Stone? <laughs> sure did. The price he gave me made it a first-class deal. Uh, why won't you try it on? Ooh, <laughs> I'd love to. Oh, I, I don't think you're putting it on the right finger, Candy. Which, which finger do you mean, Millard? Third finger, left hand. Oh, you... You don't mean that... Mallard, tell me. I want you to be my wife, Candy, dear. Oh, say it again, will you, Mallard, dear? This is only another one of those fool dreams of mine, I'm sure. Uh, it's not a dream, Cupcake. I mean it. More than I've ever meant anything in my life. Will you marry me, Candy? Oh, yes, I'll marry you. Captain, dear. Forever and ever. are listening to Reimagined Radio, paying tribute to Candy Matson, the best of the popular female detective radio programs. I'm John Barber. I'll be back in a moment. Programming like this is brought to you through the generous support of our founding sponsors at ADCO, Commercial Printing and Graphics, Clark County's local print shop since 1993. ADCO features stationery, posters, flyers, tickets, business cards, stickers, catalogs, and much more. Print on anything and mail anywhere. Learn more at adco1.com. That's adco1.com. Big thank you to Craft Cannabis, formerly known as New Vansterdam, for their ongoing support of KXRW Vancouver Radio. Craft Cannabis is Vancouver's premier cannabis market for those 21 years of age and over. Visit craftcannabis.com to view an order from their full online menu. And they offer in-store, curbside, and touchless pickup to better serve you. Craft Cannabis is located in the Heights Shopping Center on the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen Road. Open 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., 365 days a year. More information available at craftcannabis.com. Court-appointed special advocates for children known as CASA, are volunteers who advocate for the best interest of children who have come into the care of the state as a result of abuse, neglect, or abandonment. You can lend your voice and volunteer with CASA to change a child's story. CASA offers virtual info sessions and training. If interested, now is the time to get involved with CASA and make a lasting difference in the lives of children and families in the foster care system. Clark County CASA is a program of the YWCA of Clark County. More information available at casaclarkcounty.org. For this reimagined radio tribute to the popular detective series Candy Matson, we listen to the first and last episodes, The Donna Dunham Case and Candy's Last Case. Both showcase Candy Matson as a groundbreaking female detective series with a strong lead character, local references, and a cast of characters representing diversity and inclusivity. 
Both demonstrate the appeal and power of sound-based storytelling and how it engages listeners' imaginations. Sound design for this episode by John Barber. Post-production by Mark Rose of Fuse Audio Design. Social media by Regina Carroll, Social Media Management and Photography. Graphic design by Holly Slocum Design. This has been a production of Reimagined Radio. Our live performances, web streaming, and radio broadcasts of sound-based storytelling are heard on local, regional, and international community radio stations. A big thanks to listeners whose contributions support programs like Reimagined Radio. If you would like to help support radio storytelling, please visit your community radio station's website and engage with the Donate button. For more information about Reimagined Radio, all our episodes, past and future, and to subscribe to our snappy program guide, please visit our website, www.reimaginedradio.net. That's www.reimaginedradio, all one word, no punctuation, dot net. This is John Barber, producer and host. Thank you so much for listening, and please join us again for another episode of Reimagined Radio, where we will continue our exploration of radio storytelling. This is Jack Ward from the Mutual Audio Network and from all of us here, the entire United Artists of Audio, I want to thank everyone who has supported us. Listeners and producers, writers and actors, musicians and graphic artists who make audio drama and audio fiction. You inspire us all. And thanks for making a home here on Mutual, where we listen and imagine together.